welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Kevin Shoemaker, senior product manager at EHS Hero, about how EHS managers can make a business case to leadership about investing in safety. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Kevin Shoemaker, senior product manager at EHS Hero. How's it going, Kevin? Going well. Going well. Thank you, Jay. Excellent. Um, you've been on the program a few times before, but uh, why don't you just give us a quick uh, sum up of, uh, of what you do with EHS Hero and, and, uh, and what it is. Yeah, so I've been working in the uh, manufacturing and construction industry for about the last 30, 32 years. I've got uh, a lot of experience. Uh, what I do for my current, where I'm sitting now, is I'm the product manager for the EHS Hero product, uh, which is essentially trying to give make the everybody's lives easier in the EHS workspace, uh, providing content, providing workflow tools, providing calendars, all kinds of things just to make everybody's daily work life easier. Excellent. And today we're just going to talk about uh, how to approach leadership about investing in safety. You know, what are the arguments you can make to kind of get them to, you know, give you the you know, the tools you need to get your job done. So, what, you know, what, what sort of your, what would you say, uh, I guess, initially to an EHS manager who needs to kind of do that to approach leadership uh, about this? Uh, one of the things is, is they need to realize they're in competition. So they're, they're competing with, you know, other, other departments that are also trying to get money. And so they, they need to realize that it's a little bit of a competition because every company only has so much money to reinvest in its in its programs and its solutions for internal issues and so it's it's a competition and they have to be up for the challenge so to speak they have to figure out what their leadership's goals are what their leadership's uh, do they have financial requirements that you have to have a certain return on investment that you have to have a certain value and and once they understand that and can communicate that in a manner that uh, is understood by the, the the leadership people that have the purse purse strings, so to speak. I think they'll be a lot happier with the results they get. And what sort of uh, what would be the best way to to start those conversations with leadership? I think I think it, there's several different approaches you could use. Uh, one would be to provide some case studies. There's plenty of case studies. OSHA has them on their website. They've got, actually even got a a calculator on their website that'll tell you. How much, you know, if you prevent this many accidents, it's going to save you this much money. Um, there's 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 risk of fines or business shutdowns associated with the depending on the severity of the issues. Um, there's also uh, relatively high cost for workman's compensation on your insurance side. Uh, and all of those can be affected by putting in a, a better safety solution and in, in essence, spending some money on your on your safety program. The, the case studies will tell you, you know, for every dollar you spend, you'll, you'll recover anywhere from three to eight dollars. And that's the kind of thing that a, you know, somebody that's a manager in the company or in the C-suite of a company, that's the kind of thing that gets their attention. They like, they like to spend money that gives them a return, either in cost savings or improved productivity or any, any number of things that can result from improving your safety culture. Yeah, so that bottom line argument is probably you know the most effective just be you know not so much saying hey you need to spend this much but look how much you'll save if we do spend this much and excuse me i got a little bit of a cold going on um yeah i absolutely i mean if if you think about it 
any money you have to spend on those kind of fines or those kind of uh, you know activities that comes straight off the bottom line right out of your profit margin so if you uh, we had we had a particular company that came to us after they were fined $168,000 we have to sell a lot of product to make a profit of $168,000 to be able to hand it over to OSHA or EPA or any of the companies that you know regulate those type of safety activities and yeah you mentioned it earlier but you know how how big is the risk of not improving your you know your safety performance well, there's lot, there's just lots of studies out there that will, you know, the National Safety Council, OSHA itself, NIOSH, they, they do reporting on an annual basis. It's usually a few years back because it's lagging a little bit, but they'll, they'll tell you what, you know, the average injury costs. I mean, I think back in the mid, mid 2015, for instance, uh, I think it was $58,000 was the average cost per, per injury that occurred as a reportable injury in the OSHA system and it's over a million dollars for a fatality if somebody gets killed in one of your facilities that's that's a pretty big cost and uh, those are accumulated costs some people go oh it really only cost us you know twenty thousand dollars for that injury but that's direct cost you've got you know you've got um, maybe you had to pay overtime maybe you had to bring in extra help to cover that person while they're recovering Uh, there's just a lot of additional costs that sometimes can be hidden when you when you look at it and those those are the kind of things that if you can root those out as a safety manager and explain those to the management team uh, it it really helps you in in selling your you know your project versus for instance another project that somebody may be proposing for some other uh, department what are some arguments that are made against investing in safety i mean i imagine you've heard them all just you know in your time in the business you know what are some excuses i guess to to not you know put more money into safety there's there's lots of reasons and you you know do we we've been doing it this way for years and nobody's been hurt you know but the first time they get hurt if you did something that was negligent i mean (coughs) excuse me the osha act of 1970 you know that's been in place a long time almost a little over 50 years now and that's telling you the things you need to do to not be be some of the things you need to do to not be negligent in your program and if you don't if you're not doing those things where they regulated that you need to do them you know 50 years ago there's not a lot of excuses you can use to say well i didn't know they don't they they don't really buy that anymore they uh but they're that's that's a big that's a big one We've been doing it this way for years. Uh, some people just look at it and go, well, that's just a cost of doing business. You know, those right. workman cost comps being at, you know, 55, you know, the 55% of the, the hourly wage we're paying, that's just a cost of doing business because that's just the way it is. And that's, that's not a, that's not a true statement. That's not just a cost of doing business. You can do things to greatly reduce that and improve that. And if you do that, you can see improvements in your, you know your insurance rates and your insurance premiums that you'd be paying for those for those services. Is that message getting through to to leadership more now than maybe it used to? I believe it is. Um, I see a lot more companies coming out with safety and environmental and sustainability. They're actually putting it in their board reports that they're sending out to people just because it's. It used to be financials and all the automation and ERP, you know, enterprise resource planning that you could put around financials was the big opportunity and the big, 
big benefit that people were looking to get. But I think I think the safety area, the EHS area, environmental health and safety, that's getting a lot closer look now. I would say that's kind of like the next big area that can be automated and and really provide a large financial benefit as well as a benefit in productivity and, and employee morale and, and culture for the companies is to focus on that. And I guess one of the indicators I would use for that is we've been going to the SSP, which is American Society for Safety Professionals, to their annual show uh, for probably about 15 years. And when we first started going, you could probably count the number of people that were there with software on two hands. Mm-hmm. And the last the last show that we went to, there was over 100 software vendors there, some wow. that you know, would only show one time. But they clearly people, companies are recognizing uh, that it's an opportunity. You know, there's consolidation and purchasing going on in the marketplace for solutions to come up with a better, you know, a better solution that people are looking for. So I think those are all indicators that it's becoming a focus and it's, and it's going to be an area that people are optimizing in the next, in the next several years. And it's also like, uh, you know, the public perception is also a part of it too, right? I mean, you know, if you're, if you're a company that, you know, has a poor uh, record in terms of uh, safety, it's going to, it's not going to reflect well uh, overall on your company. Absolutely. Absolutely. And people are, people are paying attention to those kind of things more these days. It's not just I'm buying because this is the cheapest product or this is, you know, the perceived best product. Uh, some of the millennials, they're looking at companies and going, wait, this company doesn't treat its employees well, or, mm. or they, you know, they're just looking at buying factors more so than, uh, I would say my generation, which, you know, I'm probably dating myself to say <laughs> what my generation is, but, uh, yeah, we just, we just oftentimes went for the best deal, I would say. And I think the new, the new purchasing patterns for sure. And I think that's why boards are putting it into their, their corporate reports. You know, when they do a, when they have their board meetings, it's a, it's a line item in there that they, they might have two or three pages in their corporate report that talk about safety and what they're doing with it, environmental and sustainability, those kind of things. Cause it's, especially for any, anything in the fortune, you know, 500 fortune thousand companies, I think, I think it's something they're, they're having to pay attention to whether they want to or not. Yeah. And obviously the, a huge issue these days is workforce retention you know, with so many people leaving the workforce in the last couple of years for various reasons, um, you know, or, or just, you know, you mentioned millennials. I mean, it's, you know, I think it's fairly well documented that younger workers don't stick around as long at companies. So you've got to work harder just to keep them, you know, in the fold, you know, you know, keep them from leaving. So if your safety's uh, slipshod, then then that's just another excuse for people to go look for something better. Absolutely, that that culture thing is getting to be a bigger and bigger player. Uh, we did a, a customer survey, you know, within our product department just to see what their main issues were, and by far almost double any other issues was safety culture, and it's because it affects productivity, it affects employee retention. Uh, there was a there was a statement that I read here recently from one of the CEOs of a I think it was Liberty Mutual where they said uh, valued employees com- employees that are see that the company is investing in safety they're investing in retention they're investing in things that create a better culture a better environment a safer environment so they can go home to their families every day 
people see that and they they realize that they're valued as a resource for the company and they perform better when they see that. Um, what are some, uh, I mean, one of the arguments too, I guess is, you know, performance and, and, you know, what are some barriers to EHS performance, uh, and business value? I'd say one of the reason, one of the things that's a barrier is oftentimes the, uh, the EHS professional may not have been trained on how to present their information. You know, they, so sometimes they come off as alarmists a little bit because, oh, well, this could kill somebody. Well, right. if you got 500 things that could kill somebody, you can't you can't invest in all 500 of them. I mean, you'd like to because you want to, but you know you gotta you gotta present it in a way that is not an alarmist presentation. You've got to present things in a way that that people can consume it. Like if you're the CFO and you're trying to choose between this project and Project X over here, you know what is the realistic you know benefit of this because that's that's going to be a, a a challenge that they have to face every day because they're looking at the financials of the company so it's i mean like part of it i guess is presentation skills right i mean if you you know if you kind of come across you know you may you know mean well but you may not just deliver your message properly and and that could just get you shot down yeah, absolutely. It it has to be in a language that they can that they can understand and consume, and and gives them as best as possible apples to apples comparisons against other other investments in the business. Because it, as a business owner, you have you have to look at those things and determine. You know, you probably have limited money to spend back in the company because you got to pay your shareholders, you got to pay you know your suppliers and everything else, and if you you got to put the, you got to get the best bang for your buck. Everybody's going to be looking for that. So if you can't communicate that and speak in that language that, you know, they identify with, it'll, it'll be very hard for you to obtain those additional dollars. And I think you see that, uh, that, that was actually even that customer survey was one of the, one of the other top five items was communicating the importance and prioritization of safety to the upper management team. That's just a, that's a difficult thing for safety people to do. And I think they almost need to, you know, I know when I was an engineer, we had to take a semester of economics because we were gonna have to be able to understand economics. And I, I was like, why do I need to know this? And once you get out in the workforce, you're like, oh, everything I do, I have to sell, you know, as an economics right. problem, you know, and that's not the only reason to do things is just economics, but that's gonna be a piece that's gonna be scrutinized by the, the leadership. Like now it's almost to take economics and public speaking, you know, yeah. and writing and professional writing. Yeah, you know? yeah. So you put it on a piece of paper, you know, those kind of people are, you'd be lucky to get them to read more than a single sheet of paper. So if you write them a 25 page report, they're not going to read 25 pages. Right. You need to get a nice summary in one page of we're going to do this, this, and this. It's going to benefit this, this, and this. Here's the financials. Here's the, you know, you, you just need to summarize uh, you know, like an executive summary for your proposal, and it it, it is a skill set for sure. Yeah, it's. I don't think everybody can can do that. You know, kind of sum things up concisely, as opposed to just kind of dumping all the information out and and you know letting somebody sift through it. You know, you really have to kind of get to the point. Uh, especially like you mentioned earlier, when you're competing with other departments uh, or divisions, you know, for for that you know piece of the pie that's you know, being divvied out. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, who maybe they're, you know, really good at <laughs> delivering those messages. So, you know, it, uh, I guess it's, you know, behooves you to kind of get better at that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I used to joke with all of my employees when I, when I, when it was my own business, everybody's a salesman because you're selling every time you're talking to somebody, mm -hmm. you're selling yourself, you're selling your project, you're selling the things you're working on and you gotta, you know, you gotta learn the, you gotta learn those skills to be, in my opinion, to be successful in, in that environment. It, it, it's kind of too the same thing. And I, I, I make this same statement for, you don't send people to the job without the tools they need to be successful. Like you wouldn't send an electrician to work on a job without a insulated screwdriver and insulated pliers. Cause that you just wouldn't do that because those are what they need to do their job. They probably could figure out how to do it without those, but it's going to take them a lot more time than if they have them. And I think, you know, EHS professionals, they need some of those skills to be able to communicate that, you know, and present that. And then they need some, they also need tools that help them measure that stuff because that's the other thing that'll get management's attention is if you can walk in and say, look, here's where we were last year. Now look where we are now. And if you can show them those things that you've improved in the program, that have improved the culture, that have reduced the injuries, reduced the workman's comp cases uh, and claims, you know, that goes a long way. And you probably heard the old adage that things that get measured improve, even if all you're doing is measuring. Mm -hmm. I think just having the means of measuring those uh, leading indicators and even some of the lagging indicators and presenting those as a KPI and, and incorporating those into the, the business, you know, key performance indicators, I think, I think goes a long ways as well. And what are company value drivers and how can you identify them? I think you have to, you have to go and take a look at, you know, what, what are the, what's the company's mission? What's the, you know, are they are they trying to improve productivity? Are they trying to improve, um, you know, what what are they trying to do with the business? Where are they trying mm -hmm. to take the business? That's going to be and, and understanding that and how safety can fit in as a piece of that puzzle is is a a valuable piece for an EHS manager to have as well because EHS does figure into all of that because you know that's a very important part of that especially as businesses are being evaluated more so, you know, in those areas by the new purchasers. But uh, it's, again, that's a, that's a skill. You got to understand the financial side of it. You got to understand, you know, and have the technical skills to present it. And then you've got to, uh, you know, be able to have that elevator pitch. If you're in the elevator with the CEO for five minutes, or if you're in front of a, a group of people that you got to present, you know, your project for uh, investment for a half hour, you, you got to take, you got to take the advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. So the elevator pitch, I mean, you know, how would you kind of sum that up? Would it be basically coming up with that, you know, bottom line, you could, you know, we could save, you know, X amount of dollars and X amount of, you know, whatever, uh, you know, if we invest in this, in this uh, software or like, how would you kind of, I mean, I, I know it depends on the company and the situation, but you know, what are some sort of basic rules for an elevator pitch? Well, again, I think you avoid being an alarmist mm -hmm. just because that's not received well by people. They don't like to hear that because that puts them in a corner, you know, 
all of a sudden, oh, we're going to kill somebody if we don't do this. Well, what choice does a person have to make then right. but to do it? So just don't put people in a corner where they don't have a choice because people don't like that. Um, but you've got, you know, you've got to identify some meaningful measurements. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to improve productivity, sustainability, or is it going to reduce potential costs because you're not getting fined? Is a company being fined on a regular basis? I mean, we've got, we've had clients that have had repeatedly been fined on an annual basis that, you know, just put in a system in place that they could easily find everything that an inspector came in to look for prevented fines for years after that. I mean, and, and justified just based on the prevention of fines. But there's so many intangibles associated with a system, you know, putting a system in place. One, it's not going to be dependent on people, it, you know, so your, your EHS management team, you know, decides they want to take another job somewhere. In a lot of companies, your whole program fails when they, when they take right. off because the program was those people. They had it in their head. They had it on their computer. They had it organized in a way that but it wasn't organized in a way that anybody could go search it. Anybody could go find what they were looking, you know, what they had completed and then take it from that point forward to improve it. And putting in place processes and systems in systematizing that type of uh, your program, there's just so many advantages to it that are hard to measure in that in that format. Um, I think I think you there's plenty of case studies out there. Uh, I, I included a bunch in in various reports that I've done in the past that uh, you know companies would invest in safety management programs. And you know they'd see three to eight dollars return in reduced workman's comp and reduced injuries and improved morale and improved employee retention. And yeah, that speaks to the whole culture side of things too, right? So exactly, exactly. Um, so how do you sort of, uh, I guess, what's the best way to identify investments in EHS activities? So obviously you, you're kind of breaking it up you know, by different activities and then find, you know, figuring out, you know, what you would need to invest in those, in those specific activities. So like say, you know, training, like what would you have to invest, uh, you know, in your training program? So in training, it's going to depend on what kind of business you're, you know, if it's a manufacturing business versus a government agency versus a contractor, those, those take, you know, very different sets of training associated with them. So, um, and, and also you have to look at, retention you know what's are your people retaining it i i've heard you know operations directors tell me they'd set aside a day a month to do training for all their employees and the day after they did the training he'd walk through the plant and they'd be doing things that they just learned in training not to do and so and that's less than 24 hours later so somehow you need to you know validate that your employees are retaining it and that the culture is supporting that you know through behavior observations or something where you go out and see if somebody is, you know, exhibiting a unsafe behavior, why are they doing it? What, you know, and try to try to use a five why or a root cause analysis to determine what's happening. And, and as people see people paying more attention to safety and, and their peers, you know, calling them out when they're working unsafe, people aren't doing that to, you know, to get somebody in trouble. People are doing that because they don't want to see you get hurt. And they don't want to see, you know, somebody have to make a call to somebody's wife that, hey, they just lost their hand or lost their finger right? or, you know, got got injured by this machine. And, you know, and now they're at the hospital. That's that's a horrible call to have to make for anybody. 
And, uh, but it, you know, if you look at the statistics, there's like 50 people injured every minute of, of the workday. That's so that's a lot of people having to make those calls every day. So does it make sense when it comes to training to kind of have different, different modes, not just the same thing uh, yes. every time, you know, take this online quiz once a month and then, you know, and then forget about it instead of, you know, have different ways of, of training. So it's kind of getting through. Yeah, if you can do what I think they're calling it a hybrid hybridized model now where you're doing a little bit of online training to remind them, maybe some online quizzes that they can just take from their mobile devices, um, you know, without interrupt interruption of the work work day near as much as, you know, having to sit down for a whole day of training. Um, and I think having those different methods of presenting the training to people will help in, well, there's studies that show that it helps in, in uh, retention and and the other thing is, like I said, just the improved safety culture will get people to pay more attention to that kind of stuff. Oftentimes people go, uh, it's just the same old story. We were all sitting here today right. for, for our training and we're all getting to check the box. And once we check the box, we can go right out to the same thing we've been doing for the last 30 years. You got to get, you got to get over that hump. <coughs> but and, part of that's management getting out on the floor too. Right, getting right. To get out, you know let people see their faces, not just sit in their office and, you know, whatever they do in their office, they got to get out and walk the floor and engage with people, share with people, you know, let people understand that it's a safe place and a place where they're, they can come forward if there's unsafe things going on and not get in trouble because they brought it up. That's the other thing, right. Is, you know, being that whole kind of, uh, feeling safe to report things like that. Uh, you know, that's part of your safety culture. Yeah. You know? I mean, cause I think that's held people back in the past is, you know, not wanting to, you know, face any repercussions for doing that or, you know, obviously, it, you know, not wanting to, I don't know if rat out somebody is the, the right term, but you know, it's, it's, you know, I think it's, there's, there's some conflict there, uh, you know, in, in reporting things you said. So. Absolutely. The whole, I mean, near miss is a is a well known and documented methodology for trying to prevent things before they actually become an accident. Is to look, wow, our near misses are up, you know, twenty percent. What do we do? We need to do some more training. Do we need to? What do we need to do to try to drive that down before we have an accident? I mean, there's there's a pyramid of you know injuries where you start with your near misses and you go to your minor injuries, and you know at the very top of the pinnacle of that pyramid is a fatality and. You don't want, you just don't want to get there, but you know, there's statistical numbers that'll tell you this many near misses that are serious leads to this many injuries that are serious, you know, and so on and so forth. It's just a, there's, there's statistics that support that. So you just want to break that cycle. And, and part of that is to give people, people the, the comfort and the trust that if I bring forward this near miss, it's not going to mean that person's going to get a, you know, they're going to get dinged. You know, eventually there has to be some kind of repercussions if somebody continuously, you know, is, is exhibiting unsafe behavior because you just right. don't want to have that kind of, it's kind of like the bad apple. You got to get, you got to get rid of it so it doesn't rot the whole bunch. But, uh, you know, just coming forward with a near miss and, and, and sharing that or an observation that says that there was an at-risk condition. And sometimes people think, well, I don't want to bring this up because that means they're going to shut the line down and then we won't be right. making money. We won't meet our production goals. But, you know, it, 
shutting the line down might be a lot better solution considering a fatality might be a million dollar cost to the company. Okay, or, right. uh, so it, it's just part of the, you know, getting that value system out there that people realize I can go and say this is unsafe and why. And if everybody agrees with me, we will shut the line down and fix it. Yeah. What are some other uh, EHS activities that, that you, you know, uh, you need to invest in? I, I would imagine uh, record keeping would be a big one, right? Yeah, record keeping, there's just, that goes back to the whole OSHA um, requirements. They have certain records you have to keep. You got to keep your training records, I think, for seven years. You got to keep your SDSs. This is one that I think is crazy, but you got to keep your SDSs for 30 years, even after you wow. quit using the chemical. Um, you got to keep your incident recordings for, I think, either three or five years. There's I may be misstating some of these, but they have record keeping requirements around all those things and, and uh, you know, keeping track of your audits for various procedures that require audits, like a lockout tagout. Mm. You're required to audit them on an annual basis. You know, if OSHA walks in and wants to see your last three years, you need to be able to produce that. And that's where safety management sy systems and software can really help you with those kind of things. And there's quite a few products out there that can they can meet those requirements. But yeah, record keeping is a big one. Training, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, and just having a program that's not dependent on a person, you know, that's more dependent on processes and mm -hmm. reminders, notifications, things like that. Well, I mean, definitely a, a lot to think about if you're going to go uh, make a presentation to, uh, to your leadership, but, um, you know, certainly, uh, it's worth it's worth putting the time in uh, into it because obviously it's a it's a very important argument to make uh especially like as you said if you're you're uh you know going against you know other departments in your company so um so so that's good advice today thank you so much kevin thank you that wraps up episode 103 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen on demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com Subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.